0: Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to C3SanDiego.com. Today I want to talk really quickly in the few, the few moments that we have about the gospel's power. The gospel's power in Exodus chapter 17 is my favorite story. I'm just going to abbreviate it for time's sake. The story is this where... They're going through the wilderness and they they, they meet the Amalekites. And the Amalekites uh, are nasty people. And the Amalekites represent everything that's wrong. Everything that's jacked up with the world. Uh, many Bible scholars say that the Amalekites is an analogy for our flesh, our sinful nature. And Amalek <laughs> came and had and wanted to go to war with Israel. So Moses says to Joshua, take take some men from the army and go down and go to war, go into battle in the valley with Amalek. And Moses says, I'm going to take the rod of God and I'm going to take Aaron and her and I'm going to go up onto the mountaintop and uh, and I'm going to pray. And so the Bible says that, you know, Moses went up there and he lifted the rod of God. And while the rod of God was lifted, Israel prevailed over Amalek. But when, when Moses' arms grew weary, when Moses got tired, this is all in Exodus 17, he lowered his arm. And as he lowered his arm, Amalek prevailed over Israel. So as Moses, the leader, got weary, Amalek prevailed over Israel. So that tells me that, that your spiritual life is so powerful. I find that I'm always at war with the flesh, the flesh, its lusts, its desires, its appetites. And so I find, I find that the, the great antidote is, is spiritual. When, when you walk into worship, when, when you're engaged, but when you get weary of worship, when you get weary of Bible, when you get weary of it's another stuff. I mean, when you get weary of it's another stuff, when you get weary of that, you'll find that the flesh, Amalek, will begin to prevail over Israel. So it's so, so important to stay engaged. And so I love this because the, uh, Aaron and her position themselves beside him and they sit Moses on a rock and they hold his hands till the going down of the sun and they hold the rod up. There was something about Moses staying in that place of engagement, staying in that place of worship, staying in that place of devotion. And the Bible says, and the Lord brought about a great victory for Joshua. Now Joshua could think, man, it's my swordsmanship. Joshua could down there be thinking, Man, it's my strength. Look, look at me, look at I'm whooping these people. Because the Bible says the Lord brought about a great victory for Joshua. But the, jo- the victory, even though it was executed in the valley, the victory was actually established on the mountaintop. So you and I are the only people that understand the correlation, the, the duality, the symbiosis between the spiritual and the natural. The, 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 the battle is is won in the spirit, but it's outworked in the natural. That, that, that's, why, that's why we have deliverance. That, that's, that's why we have healing. That's why the gospel is preached to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, because we understand until we shift things in the spirit, ain't nothing going to change in the natural. You can't medicate a demon. You, 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 you can't just... Keep apologizing your way for the dysfunctions and the issues and the the soul ties to things in your past. At some point, you've got to deal with those things. You've got to take authority over those spiritual forces that come to steal, kill, and destroy, that come to rob and to come to plunder your marriage, your finances, your health, your thinking, your vision, your dreams. At some point, we've got to deal with those things so we're free to win the victory in the natural. Can somebody say Amen. So the, the gospel, the gospel is so powerful because the gospel introduces both of these things. The gospel introduces that that, that we are in, in a state of war. We are not in war. We are, we are never not in warfare. Don't ever think, oh well, you know, you know, when the enemy comes in, then I'll put on the armor. The Bible teaches us that we ought to always have our armor on. And you'll notice something about the armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, feet shod, preparation, gospel of peace, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. You'll notice there's no back on the armor. Because we're never meant to be retreating from the enemy. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the forward advancement of the church. We are meant to be forward advancing. There's no back on the armor, because we're never meant to be in retreat. We're only ever meant to be in advance. We're only ever meant to be moving forward. We're always meant to be taking ground from the enemy. And so, so we, we, have, we have a mindset in the church, the devil sold us, that we're to stay out of politics. The, the word politic literally means to engage in social issues. So while the church has stayed silent on social and moral issues, the human government has been vocal on social and moral issues so they 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 have said we believe that that man and man can be married there's no such thing as gay marriage according to scripture because marriage is a covenant now you can give them a certificate you can have a priest do whatever but a, a, a man cannot have a husband and a woman cannot have a wife The word husbandry, if you look it up, the word husbandry is an old English word and it's a word for a farmer who takes land and then governs that land to be fruitful. So a farmer puts seed in the land, in the soil, and then raises what that seed produces. A man can't, he can put his seed, but it ain't going nowhere. And... Two women don't have seeds, so you can't have a husband. You can't. But this is the world that we live in. So now, now that now, 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 this week we see that they they vote. They they so hate President Trump that they vote that if a baby survives an abortion and is born, as soon as a baby is born, they are a citizen of the United States of America and should be afforded all the rights of citizenship. Wow. But. But they voted against, every uh, Democrat candidate right now voted against saving a baby that's struggling for its life. Now, if you want to put that into authority, you are, oh, dear Jesus. are you? If we can't look after the most innocent among us, do you think they're going to look after you? Dear God. So we, we, need to, we need to preach the gospel. So the first thing the gospel does, this is why I'm passionate about our spiritual warfare taking ground. So we don't want to have a youth minister who just babysits church kids. <laughs> We don't have a college ministry that just babysits the, the college students who come. We, we actually want to be forcefully advancing. We want to be kicking in the gates of hell. We want to go where youth are. We want to go where students are. We want to go where college students are. We want to go where they are. We, 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 we want to go into all the world because it's the Great Commission. Understanding that no, no gates, the devil has gates, but every gate we, we be given authority. The gates of hell will not prevail. It didn't say they won't resist. It says will not prevail. There may be some resistance, but come on, we can clothe ourselves with persistence. We can put on the whole armor of God. We can bind and loose. We can prophesy. We can march around those things. We can command the walls to come down. We just got to find a way in. But the, there are gates. The devil has put up gates for his defense, but they are they are they are weak. Our job is to push through those gates because we want to preach the gospel. The reason we want to preach the gospel to every creature is again. When I was looking at the homeless people, those homeless people, ninety percent or more, are homeless because of vices. You'll find if you interview a homeless person and begin to talk to them, it's alcoholism, it's drugs, it's get that they gave at some point their addiction became greater and they ran out of the resources to feed that addiction and now they're on the street. So why is the gospel the great antidote? Because the gospel challenges me to deal, to repent of my vices, to repent of those things. It challenges me to to live a moral life. It challenges me that these things are sinful and I need to repent of those things. It's the only thing that is, do you know what they're doing in San Fran? They're handing out heroin needles. They're not, they're, not, they're not saying, hey, listen, this is your problem. They're saying, hey, let us facilitate because they don't care. Man does not care. They feign care and they use it so they can. The gospel challenges that the second, if, if there's only 90% that it's vices, the other 10% it's bad choices. If you live in a, you and I live in a, the United States of America where we have billionaires. We have more middle class than anywhere else in the world. The the prosperity, the opportunity, and the blessings in America. If you're homeless, you got to be making some pretty dumb choices. Like, I remember the first time I walked through Walmart, I thought, oh my gosh. Like... Shoes for $8. Like, gee, like you could, I could, like if, it, let's imagine I lost everything. And, you know, when we moved over, I'm like, okay, if this all turns to custard, I thought I could buy, they got suits and shoes and belts and, you know, dress shirts and ties. Or, you know, I could probably get out of there, you know, for under 150 bucks with a, you know, suit and at least go pounding and at least look presentable to, to 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 knock on doors and get a job. I thought I don't know how could anybody be poor here when you got and then I'm looking at the food and, and I'm like how inexpensive is the like the cost of living so if somebody's poor they're not making great choices the gospel is the great liberator from poverty because it, it it unlocks the wisdom of god the gospel Paul says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is foolishness, foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the wisdom of God. It is the power of God. In Proverbs 2 verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. One more time. For the Lord gives wisdom. Yes. Do you know what accompanies wisdom? In Proverbs 8 with wisdom come riches, honor, and life. You'll find where there's an absence of riches, honor, and life, you'll find there's an absence of wisdom. You'll always find where wisdom is present come riches, honor, honor and life when we preach the gospel when we preach the gospel not only do I repent of my vices but I come to a place where I'm leaning into the mouth of the Lord because from his mouth come knowledge from his mouth comes understanding man now I realize why I'm in this mess man from his mouth come knowledge from his mouth come understanding now I know how to get out I didn't know how to get out of this predicament I didn't know what to do but now I know the preaching of the gospel that's why Jesus preached the gospel to every creature because the gospel is the greater, great empowerer. Can somebody say amen? amen. The gospel is the great empowerer because the, the day that you receive the gospel, the day that you receive Jesus, you, you now echo John in that mantra of greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Because as soon as you receive Christ, God comes and lives on the inside of you. So even if you go back to your mat on the street and you go back to, all of a sudden now there's a voice on the inside saying, hey, you're better than this. You're bigger than this. Come on, see that man, ask that man. You, you, you've now got this person on the inside of you that is greater than anything around about you, who loves you and cares for you, wants to elevate you, wants to get you out of poverty, wants to get you out of addiction, wants to get you out of lack, wants to get you out of struggle, wants to get you out of that and into what God has for you. So we've got to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And I, I got no... The gospel is a great transforming agent. I had, I had no idea how to be a man. I had no idea how to be a husband, a father, a leader, a builder, an investor. I didn't know how to be a problem solver, a miracle worker, addiction deliverer, people developer. And yet all of these things are now uh, allotted to me. I didn't know how to do that when I got saved. But when I got saved, somebody came and lived on the inside of me. And the person who lives on the inside of me is not just, you know, a wonderful angel. It wasn't God like, well, you know, let's, let's get this little guy in. The great God who created the cosmos has come and lives on the inside. I'm telling you, most of us when we get to heaven are going to have a Homer Simpson Doh! moment. That, that we are going to realize, oh my gosh, I so completely undervalued. I completely under what God had given me. The great God, the Bible says, ye have the mind of Christ. Where in the marketplace, they conspire with the, with the, with the Romans and they come to Jesus and they say, uh, Lord, is it lawful to pay, to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, these flippant scallywags were angry. They didn't want to pay taxes to Caesar because they felt like this is our land and we're under Roman occupation. But they knew if you didn't, if you spoke out against paying taxes, you were basically dishonoring the emperor of Rome and would be either beaten or imprisoned. So they're trying to catch Jesus. And Jesus says, why do you test me? Bring me a denarius. What? Bring me a denarius. Bring me a coin. So they bring him a coin. Whose inscription is this? Caesar's. The other side is a, is a, is a, is a, was a picture of a Roman god, but God. And he says, therefore, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and give unto God the things that belong to God. And they were just dumbfounded. The Bible says that same mind is in you. You have access to solve the most complex that's why we want to preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel where you shouldn't push your religion. Yeah, if it was a, just a religion, I wouldn't push it on anybody. But this ain't a religion, baby. This is a life transforming. This is a life empowering. How do you know it works? Because I'm living freaking proof that it works. I was a mess 18 years of age. I was a mess on legs. And Jesus stepped into my life on a beach. Are you kidding me? 33 years later, my life is beyond anything that anybody, I'm living, walking evidence, you know, exhibit A, Your Honor, here I am, that the gospel works. Second thing about the gospel, oh dear Jesus, three minutes, the second thing about the gospel is not only is it the great empower, but the gospel changes the internal dialogue setting. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now we read that and it's a magnificent scripture, but just think about how did Paul get to that place? Paul, Paul was basically communicating externally a dialogue that he had internally. Paul wasn't just saying, you know what, I'm going to have to give some people some encouraging motivational scriptures. What about, no, 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 Paul, Paul was just revealing external, his dialogue internal. See, this is a guy who'd been shipwrecked four times. This is a guy that they stoned to death, and then he got up and walked back in and kept carried on preaching. This is a guy that when he was preaching, a kid fell out of a three-story window dead, and Paul went down, raised him from the dead, went up and finished his sermon. This is a guy who's shipwrecked. And is gathering sticks, trying to help the natives. And a viper comes out of the the sticks and fastens onto his hand. So he shakes it off into the fire. All the natives say, "That's a poisonous thing." Within an hour, he's dead. See, he must be guilty. These are the gods getting justice. And then three hours later, when he's kind of you know teaching and everything, they're like, "He's not. He's not a, a, a convicted felon. He's a god." And they began to worship him. Then he started healing everybody there, and you know had to leave. And and uh, he, he raising people from the dead. He's you know praying over handkerchiefs, sending them out, and demons are coming out, and diseases are leaving. This, this, this man says, let me tell you what, this is my internal dialogue. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, I, I, we, do, we do emerge because it, I, I don't hear Goliath louder than when I do emerge. When, when, when I'm in a room full of men, I'm at my least comfortable. And, and, and when I'm on the platform, when I'm on the stage, the, 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 the shout of Goliath, you are disqualified. You don't know how to be a father. You never had a father. You don't know how to, how do you father a generate And all of these things. And, I've, I've, and so that's how I actually know I'm on track because I hear Goliath piping off the loudest when i'm in men's so that's why i know you know what your intimidation i'm going to take as confirmation that i'm actually doing the right thing i'm going to i'm going to but this is what i've discovered it's the gospel that changes the internal dialogue you will find that when god comes in he begins to change it man i'm no good i'm I'm a failure man i'm always a failure man even elijah struggled Elijah calls down fire, executes the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah. And then Jezebel says, The gods do so to me and more also, if by this time tomorrow you're not as dead as one of those prophets. And poor old Elijah runs out into the desert, and this is what he says He says, God, it is enough. It is enough now, for I am no better than my fathers. He didn't say, no, than my father. He says, I'm no better than my fathers. In other words, man, I'm anointed. I carry the word of the Lord. I just brought a whole nation into revival. But you know, privately, I still struggle with the sins of my father, the sins of my grandfather, the sins of my great-grandfather. I still see that I've got, I'm no better than my fathers. I see generational stuff on the inside of me. And God says to him, anoint you, fill your horn with oil you're going to anoint. You're going to anoint. I haven't finished with you yet. And guess what, Elijah? You don't need to listen to Jezebel. Jezebel says, this time tomorrow you're going to die. Let me tell you, a year from now, you won't be dead. In fact, one million years from now. I'm sending a chariot to pick you up. You ain't ever going to die. She? She will die. Elijah, it's only Enoch and Elijah that made, made it to heaven without death. Did you know that? Only two, two people. And maybe it was only ever gonna be Enoch, but after God heard Jezebel, it was like, yeah, you know what, Jezebel? I'm gonna make an exception. Elijah sends a chariot down. The gospel this thing, meditating in this thing. If you become addicted to anything, become addicted to this thing, it will change. It will change your internal dialogue. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things. My my internal dialogue was set on failure, useless, I'm such a klutz, man, I'm never going to intimidation, all of those things. And you will find that the great work of God is not just on the mountaintops, but it's also in the valley of your own struggle, your own humanity, your own weakness, your own dealing with the the transgressions or the iniquities of your part. It's God coming and meeting you right there and saying, hey, 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 I want you to echo me. Because I say, man, I'm such a klutz. And God says, that's not how I see you. Man, I must be such a burden to God. That's not how I see you. I see you as my son. I see you as my child. I see you as my beloved. I see you as fearfully and wonderfully made. I see you as the head, not the tail. Above only, not. I see you as blessed in the city and blessed in the country. I see you as blessed going in and blessed coming out. I see you as. I see you as one who who's going to prosper, one who's going to advance, beloved. I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers the only thing that prospers the human soul is the gospel your external world is a manifestation of your internal world so that's why the enemy goes after your internal world because he knows if he can but I'm telling you the gospel will transform your internal dialogue oh man I missed it the gospel gives vision purpose and meaning to our lives because what is the gospel the gospel says you were worth dying for No, no, hang on. You don't understand, man. I'm an addict. I'm living on the street. I've lost my marriage. My kids have no respect for me. No, no, I deserve this. There's a devil. There's a spirit. There's a voice that confirms that my actions and this voice confirm that this is what I deserve. I deserve to live like this. And then the gospel intervenes and says, well, actually, somebody came 2000 years ago and hung on a cross. You were worth rescuing. Jesus came to rescue you. Do you know how valuable you are? You are worth somebody dying for you. Heaven spared no expense to rescue you. Heaven spared no... It wasn't like God was like, oh man, i got to save those freaking scummy sinners. (laughs) Flipping addicted and homeless and shooting stuff into their veins. What the hell's wrong with them? No, 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 I'm not giving Jesus. No way, not for them. Have we got any... Gabriel, what's the lowest angel we can send down? Heaven spared no expense. When God says we're saving them from their sin, whoa, 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 whoa. God, what are you doing? You can't. He's he's the Prince of Heaven. He he is the greatest tre. The greatest treasure of heaven was sent as atonement, as an exchange. To purchase you back so the devil can't pipe off. You didn't pay for. Jesus paid not just full price. He paid over full price. He paid over full price. That's why the gospel is so powerful. That's why we have to. That's why we can't just be content for church Sunday. That's why Monday to Saturday, we've we got to be engaging in the marketplace. we got to be penetrating our colleges and high schools and all around. Because the gospel is, it's the hope of the world. It is the only liberating power. It is the greatest transformation tool for 2000, and it is resistant. And don't, don't buy into the lie that we just need more government. We need to put, you know, trust in man. No, the gospel has been doing it. Je- if Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of every nation, you will find that every nation that has embraced Christianity has thrived. Every nation that has embraced Christianity has advanced. You'll find the nations that depose it, it's all filled with crime. And corruption and exploitation, wickedness, immorality, uncleanness, all kinds of things. The gospel is the great saving power, and that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Come on, why don't we stand to our feet? Lift your hands high to heaven. Lift your hands high to heaven. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Not only are you fearfully and wonderfully made, you are so loved. The Bible doesn't just say that God loves you, the Bible says He's so loved. For God so loved the world. God so, he so loves you. He so loves you. The Bible says it's, it's the glory of man to overlook a transgression. David said to God, he says, Lord, cover, cover my transgressions. If you were to mark them, Lord, who could stand? God knows all my sin. And yet he sent Jesus to die on the cross to cover my sin so he can't even see my sin. So all he sees me as is his perfect child. And I know that I'm far from that. But it was God's doing, it's not my, I don't have to hide my sin. The dumbest thing I can do is try and hide my sin from God. I can actually come and bring it to God. He has provided the covering. Adam and Eve tried to hide their sin with leaves and God says those things are gonna fall off. God himself covered them with skins. Through a sacrifice, an animal lost its life. The greatest covering you and I can have is the blood of Jesus Christ. God has covered. God loves you. He spared no expense, no expense to save you. You are so valuable. Right now, he lives on the inside of you. Are you leaning in? The devil will give you every distraction. He'll even use the busyness of work and to-do lists and productivity and opportunity and advancement and all of those things to keep you from his word, to keep you from just leaning into the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, the greatest thing you and I can do every single day is just have that time with God. Uninterrupted. Put your headphones on. Block the world out. Stop the world. I want to get off for a, for a moment to reconnect, to recharge, to recharge. and just let God speak. Let God minister. Let him and make sure it's the word because the enemy will try and hijack that time. You're no good. You're, you, you're just a fake. You're just shut up, devil. Let the word of God. H- how do I know I'm growing in God? Because there's more of the word in you. God said to me many, many years ago, if you will live in my word, my word will live in you. When I was in Bible school, if you will live in my word, my word will live in you. And I found, honestly, I thought I could do that. I could live in God's word. And I find that the more of God's word that lives in me, I find that what lives in me is a power that created the world. It's a power that created the heavens and the cosmos into being. It's a power that brought light where there was darkness. It's a power that brought clarity where there was confusion. And I find that word lives on the inside of me. That word, if you will live in the word, the word will live in you. The devil hates the word of God because the word of God always overcomes. The word of God never returns void. It always accomplishes that for which it is sent out. God watches over his word to perform it. How much of the word is living in you? Father, we we dedicate our hearts. We dedicate our lives again to living in the word that the word might live in us. Father, we understand that the gospel is the power of God under salvation. Father, we are not ashamed of the gospel. But, Father, if anything, we are determined that we will preach the gospel. We will preach the gospel to every, because we know it is the greatest empowering, the the greatest liberating force in the universe. And Father, we are proud ambassadors of your gospel. Come on, if you're a proud ambassador, give God a great clap. Give God a great shout. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.